Hey guys, so before I go into today's episode of the podcast, I just want to make an announcement. So if you are new to the podcast or if you've been listening to the beginning, thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. But I just want to make a special announcement that my first ever book is going to be coming out on the 3rd of December 2021. And The title of the book is The No-Nonsense Approach to Female Fat Loss and this is something that has been brewing for quite a while and it's something that I'm very, very passionate about and inside the book you'll be kind of looking at how to understand your menstrual cycle, how to understand your cravings, when to push your training, when to ease off your training, how to train and eat during your pregnancy and train around it, PCOS, how to understand endometriosis, amenorrhea, which is lack of a cycle. The pill is beneficial. What type of pill is more beneficial? Does it does it impact your sex drive? We talk about perimenopause and menopause, and we talk about thyroid, and there's many other topics that we talk about. So it's fairly in depth. It's going through every single stage uh, that a woman can go through, and it's fairly in depth. A lot of research, a lot of effort's been put into it. So I'm super super excited to announce that the book is available for pre-order through the link in the episode notes and it will be available through the link in my bio on instagram at shane walsh fitness or if you want to head over to shanewalshfitness.com forward slash pre-order the book and you can get all the details there it will be available on amazon from the 3rd of december as well which i'm super super excited for so i hope you guys enjoy the episode hope you guys enjoy the book any questions on the book let me know but i'm super super excited and hope you guys get a copy hey guys and welcome to the next episode of the shane walsh podcast so today is coach's corner volume 27 and it is kind of a QA style from questions that have come in from you guys on my q a's and jane's q a's and dallas's q a's on our stories and then also questions that are coming in from clients and team swf so there's going to be an awful lot of this and some of it's gonna a lot of it's kind of towards kind of like if you're losing weight orientated. And it's gonna be interesting to hear both perspectives because I know there's gonna be a little bit of overlap between what we have to say and stuff. But first of all, Jane, how are we? I'm good. How are you? I am very good. So guys, we haven't got Dallas uh on today, but uh Dallas is on a ban at the minute. <laughs> He's been sin bent. No, he hasn't. Uh but no, we got we got Jane because I think the, some of these topics that are kind of close to Jane's heart from her own experience as well. So I think Jane's probably um a good voice of reason on many of these. So I think the first question that we are gonna talk about is in relation to is how to lose weight if you don't like exercise. And I'm surprised to be honest with you, this question hasn't kind of come up more because I think as people who are in the fitness industry, you forget that people don't actually like exercise. It's true, yeah. Now, a lot of people don't actually like exercise. I've had it brought up numerous times when I have spoken about increasing movement for people. Yeah, so it's kind of like, if if so, we'll, we'll talk about it from a perspective. If a client comes to you or if you're on a welcome call with one of the clients, sign up to Team SWF, is how can I lose weight if I don't really like exercise? So where would you start? I would ask, like, first and foremost, it's like, you don't like exercise. So what type of exercise have they tried in the past? You know, is have they gone to the gym? Is it is it really the exercise or is it the environment? Like trying to figure out what the issues are behind exercise. Why is it that they don't enjoy it? And I would do that because first and foremost, it's like movement is valuable to health. Stepping outside of you know anything to do with fat loss weight loss you know movement is valuable for our heart health physical health like it's it's a good thing to be active but you don't need to do formal training to be active so I would have a discussion with them about are there any ways that they do enjoy movement is it just formal training classes the gym things like that that they have a dislike for um, and reflect on those reasons Stepping outside of that, they genuinely do not like exercise and someone really doesn't want to move. If their sole goal is fat loss, then you can entirely do that through food and you can initiate a calorie deficit, you know, just by adjustments within your diet. So while I would absolutely urge them, even if we could get them walking and, you know, just starting from where they're at with movement, like, you know, if they're only walking couple hundred steps a day, try to get them to just increase their walking a little bit for health purposes. And it will support fat loss as well. 
but we would focus primarily on dietary changes on you know creating more meal structure getting some protein in potentially you know tracking tracking methods or non-tracking methods and entirely focus on the dietary side of things exercise would be helpful even if it's just walking but we can of course you know create a calorie deficit and focus on fat loss without exercise definitely without formal training if necessary I think it's important to like if you look at the studies and so that they've done in kind of with kind of like a mixture of weight loss and kind of nutrition interventions beside it, the people who get longer lasting results is a combination of the two of some sort of exercise, whatever that person enjoys, and also a consistent calorie deficit or looking after the nutritional interventions the longer term. So there are better results if you do the two. But what Jane said there about the environment. So some people are kind of like this going out in kind of like November, I think. So people could be going back into the gym or they could be going back to the gym in January. And environment like the gym can be conducive to some people, but some people find it uncomfortable. They feel like they can't go into a certain area of the gym where they're, they're, they're attached to the astro area in the gym. I know that was my, that was it can be overwhelming, especially when you don't know what you're doing or you haven't tried it before. You think people are watching you. Well, the big thing is no one's watching you. No one really gives a shit what you're doing, to be honest with you. Um, but it's important to say, well, have you tried weights and it wasn't for you? Have you tried hit sessions as it wasn't for you? Have you tried CrossFit and it wasn't for you? Have you tried yoga and it wasn't for you? Have you tried Pilates it wasn't for you? Have you tried a dance class it wasn't for you? Well, what haven't you tried? And try one of those. And I know myself that I kind of stopped doing a lot of the training during the lockdowns with kind of like the weights I had weights in the house or whatever, but I didn't find that I just wasn't in the headspace to do it one. I just didn't value it at the time. And what worked for me was getting in, just going out for a walk. And I lost a hell of a lot of weight during lockdown because well, my food was still up, but it was at, at, at regular intervals and stuff. But I was going out for an hour and a half walks and being able to get my decent sleep in, I was helping my sleep. So I was kind of nourishing myself that way. But I've also had clients who say, I don't really like walking. And sometimes that's kind of like saying, I don't really like breathing. It's kind of like one of those things you do on a daily basis. So if you don't necessarily like walking, maybe start off with say 10 minutes or 15 minutes and see how you go. If you don't like walking, but then potentially link it to meeting up with a friend for a coffee or go on dates as for coffee or whatever it may be and make it a social intervention go cycling if you have joints issues or whatever could go cycling or could you go to the gym and use one of the machines there if you want there's loads of different elements that you can do but if you're getting your regular meals in getting some sort of movement in it like you can lose weight without exercise at all but for overall cardiac health and cardio and your cardiovascular system you, I would encourage you to do it, sorting out your sleep, sorting out your stress, reducing booze, uh, increasing your water. So a bit of chewing, slowing down your eating as well could really, really help you as well. Making sure you've got protein and realizing that it could take a little bit longer if you aren't doing some sort of activity. Patience is, the, is a very, very big thing when it comes to any journey that we're doing. And if you're not if you're not losing weight at a quick enough rate, which most people give out about anyway, but are your actions matching up to what you want to do? And probably your actions are matching up if you're not doing some sort of exercise. You don't have to do exercise of like an hour every day. It doesn't have to be hit sessions. It doesn't have to be weight sessions, whatever it may be. It could be just going out for half an hour. If you've got a dog or a kid, bring them out for a walk or link it up with a friend. But it's still the basics. It can be done, but for longer term, I probably would bring in some sort of exercise three times a week. Uh a little bit more if possible three times a week seems to be the, the sweet point for most people that's the thing like i you know as I, you will be working with someone over time and focusing on you know the more nourishment focused um changes behaviors habits all of these things and you know really looking at why they don't want to exercise you said it might be intimidated by going to the gym things like that but if you initiate fat loss and are working on that true nutrition, true more mindful practice, and um, true changing environment, all of those things, you might increase confidence. And as you lose body fat and believe in yourself and back yourself a little bit more with these changes, you can continue to challenge yourself a little bit more. And then maybe that might be a time to reintroduce exercise, to try different exercises, to link up with a friend and go to a class, be it a dance class, do something like it's a celebration of your body, something different. Movement 
is valuable in all of its all of its mediums. You know, it's not just about grinding on a treadmill or lifting weights or anything like that. Just getting your body moving more by walking, gardening, playing with the kids, all of these things are going to add value. So don't overlook that. As Shane said, like the walking is incredible. Just increasing your steps, just increasing your walking by 10 minutes, 15 minutes is going to make a huge difference. I didn't train after surgery, I think for like eight weeks and all I did was walk and made no dietary changes, gave myself unconditional permission to eat to, eat to fullness all throughout it. And my clothes all still fit perfectly afterwards. Nothing dramatic changed, nothing terrible happened. You know, it, it worked perfectly. And that is something to reassure people with that if there is a period that they cannot train or if going to the gym or going to classes right now is too much for you to, to face, but you really want to make positive change, focus on your nourishment first, focus on all those things, even reach out to a coach, reach out for support to focus on those things first. And maybe in time, you might change your mind about movement and about exercise and back yourself moving forward in that way. Yeah, and I think it is doing some sort of movement. Like it doesn't have to be weights. Like obviously weights is a massive, like it helps to kind of change your body composition. It helps to make your body stronger. It helps you feel better in your clothes and stuff. Like if you're looking to get toned, well, toned means build muscle. So like if you're looking to get toned, if you enjoy running, go for a run. But if if you don't enjoy running, I personally don't really enjoy running. But I will do it at the odd time just to kind of clear the head and get the cobwebs out. If I if I feel a little bit more stressed, I'll go for a run. Or if I feel a little bit more that I just want to get out, or if I'm meeting up with someone, you could play five aside with your mates. That could be your week your weekly exercise. You could do it like a, a pole dancing class or something like that, and something make it a little bit more or gymnastics or learn a new skill or something like that, and, make, and link up with friends. But you can definitely lose weight if you don't if you don't like exercise. It could be a little bit slower um but it's you have to think of a long-term health and kind of say like what do i actually want to achieve is it kind of like am i able to stick with doing no exercise forever or am i just saying i don't like exercise because i prefer sitting inside there's nothing wrong with that but you have to look at it from a point of view of if you really want to make true changes to your health and you are you're struggling with your weight and stuff going out for exercise is more than about losing weight it's being able to celebrate you're moving your body, which is Jane said already, it helps your mental health. Like I train at the minute between now and the end of the year, I was talking to Jane about this all fair. It's like between now and the end of the year, I'm just going to be doing training to book in time for me. Like I, my phone's on airplane mode. I won't interact with anyone. I probably am a grumpy so-and-so when I'm in the gym. I've kind of like, I won't really talk to anyone, but it's, it's my me time. It's my temple time. I'm kind of like, this is what, this is my, say 45 minutes to an hour four times a week of my me time make it about you and it's sometimes people forget that it's like oh that's being selfish no it's not being selfish because i actually think that if you're not offering the world your best you're being more selfish and your tea and if you're an example to your kids and your kids are looking at well mom and dad aren't exactly looking after themselves so why should i look after myself remember you are leading your family and sometimes it's hard for parents, and I understand this. And I'm seeing it with my with one of my mates who has five, who has three kids under six, I think. Um, but what they do is they book in a Saturday. So one of them will take them the kids on a Saturday morning up until like midday. One the one of the parents will take the kids up until twelve o'clock on a Sunday, and they swap it. But they each second night they book in half an hour for themselves, so they just go out for a walk to the local GAA pitch or whatever it may be. But that works for them. But it's about saying to yourself, like, what can I do for me? Get the kids involved. If you want to jump around the living room and do hit sessions, by all means, it's the best thing in the world. Probably not if you're completely stressed and not sleeping and not looking after your food. Your food is going to make the biggest difference, whatever it is. But you need to look after your own health. And if you want to stay fit and healthy and be around for your kids and be around for your family, I would incorporate some sort of exercise into your routine. The next question, this came from one of Dallas's clients. Um, and the so if you walk or run a lot, does this put on weight as on the scales? So my years of slimming clubs, if the scales were up, you were asked, did you exercise a lot? And if, if, and if this was the case, that was blamed on the weight gain. So just curious, your expert opinion on this. Does exercise cause the scales to go up? Jane. 
I actually remember reading this question. I had a flashback moment. Um, and I completely forgot about this entirely that when I was really young and I was I had like a bit of weight music kid and stuff, I remember going to a slimming club meeting with my mum. And I completely I think I blocked this out, maybe, but um, I remember going and I remember this being said. I actually remember hearing this. And I've I've heard this said to clients and stuff before as well. And in a lot, they this is something that's said if the scale is up, have you exercised? Um, has this contributed? And you know, while there is is some truth in that happening, it is such a counterproductive, negative thing to say to people and create such a negative association with exercise from an environment that is so weight loss focused and does not give people like the right perception of weight and how variable it is. So yes, exercise can contribute to weight gain, particularly initially if you're new to exercise, like when you exercise, um, you may have a little water weight due to glycogen and glycogen binds to water to fuel your muscles. So it's a physiological process that happens to give you fuel for your muscles. This is a positive thing. It can be helpful. Um, it is a natural occurrence that happens when you're active. Activity is valuable and important and doing wonderful things to your body. Also, when you initially start exercising, if you're very new to it and you're really pushing yourself, there can be little, like a certain amount of inflammation that can also cause some water retention. So these things can contribute to a little increase in water weight. And so it could realistically contribute to some water weight on the scale. But that is no bearing on fat gain. It is no reflection of that. And consistently training over time, more favorable changes will happen. You know, weight is not indicative of all the wonderful things that are going on in your body and a commitment to a new training routine will have on your body composition and your health and your well-being, like all those things we just talked about that are positive around training. You know, so yes, it can happen regardless of like the other things that you're doing. Exercise can cause a little bit of water waste, particularly if you are new to it. And this will highlight itself more as you settle into a new training program. But obviously there are, you know, other things that could happen along the way if you are training a lot more and, you know, you might without realization be hungrier and be eating a little bit more. So, you know, these physiological things can help to increase hunger, body wants more fuel, it's burning more energy. So it is something to be aware of if you are increasing your food intake you know, significantly when you start a new exercising program, you know, this, this could contribute, but most of the time what they're referring to when it comes to the sling world and these clubs is the fact that there could be a little bit of water weight um, when you're training. So when you come in for your weigh-in, that might cause your weight to go up a little. And if you were not in a swimming club and you were just training and enjoying it and nourishing your body well and fueling your body well and not weighing in so regularly, you wouldn't notice these little fluctuations like after your weigh-in, the next day your body, like your body weight could come down again. So, you know, stepping away from the weighing scale in a swimming world environment and just training and nourishing your body well and committing to an exercise program is going to have favorable, favorable changes in your body, your health, your mind, everything. Yeah, I kind of think it's kind of like outsourcing the focus rather than focusing on the food and the emotions behind it. I think that's potentially what it's it's doing for some people as well. Like, but if exercise is causing weight gain, well, then I shouldn't do it. But it's kind of like, no, what's causing weight gain over, like Jane has obviously alluded to the scientific part of glycogen and can cause a little bit more water absorption. And that's generally what happens to the body. So if you weigh, if you weigh in, so I know what's kind of happened. I've seen this happen with loads of people in the gym is like, they walk in, they weigh themselves before their gym session, and then they go off to their gym session, come back to the weighing scales afterwards. After after they've been training, which will, as you're lifting weights or you're doing some sort of exercise, water will fill into the muscle and it's going to make you weigh a little bit more. Plus, you've probably more than likely had a bottle of water in your hand. So you're adding more weight to yourself already, but it's not fat gain. And I think that's the biggest discrepancy what people forget about is there's a massive difference between weight gain and fat gain. Weight gain can happen. If you, for, if you, for whatever reason, are constipated, there's going to be weight gain in your stomach. There's going to be more volume in your, in your stomach. If you add a little more water, there's going to be more weight gain because you're, there's more volume in your stomach. Your stomach's like a bag. 
But if you're fat gain, you need to be in a consistent caloric surplus in order for one pound of fat to be uh, gained. So people forget that if the scales goes up, that it could be weight gain rather than fat gain. And then people are like, well, I got my body scanned or whatever it is in the local gym and I said that my fat went up. They're not overly accurate, those things that are in those gyms, those body scan things. The most accurate one is the ones probably like the ones in UCD and stuff, the ones that the athletes use. So those those body scan things are are great and all, but if you're if you're getting upset with what's on the scales already and you're looking for more metrics, which are probably going to upset you because nobody really believe nobody really likes the answer what body fat percentage they are when they go on those things. And that's the big thing. It's kind of outsourcing the blame. You're kind of focusing on away from where the focus should be, which is on your nutrition. And kind of looking at the choices that you're making with your nutrition, leaving food in that you enjoy, working on your emotional regulation and kind of saying, right, well, the scales may go up, but when are you weighing yourself in? Are you weighing yourself in in the evenings after exercise, after your training? Yes, you're going to be heavier. Are you weighing yourself faster in the morning after you go into the bathroom with no liquids? And the scales is going down. That's the that's the time. And also, as Jane said, like potentially not weighing yourself in as often because you're looking for you're almost if the scales goes up, you're kind of second guessing yourself and looking for something to blame why the scales is going up when blame shouldn't be the 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 aim of weight stepping on the scales. It's outsourcing the the blame for somewhere else where we don't want to blame anyone. It could be just that you're on your cycle week. It could be that you've had a little bit more water, had a little bit more food the night before, whatever it may have been. But you're also outsourcing your element of control because you've no control over what that scale says. It's like the stock market. It's going to go up and down and fluctuate. But you have control over how you react. You have control of your actions. If the scales goes up and you feel better in your clothes, you feel stronger in your clothes and you feel stronger overall, why are you letting the scales dictate you? There's more important shit going on. It's great to have like more and more stress, and stress is going to have a contributing factor to weight fluctuations too. You know, if you're pushing harder and harder in exercise, and you know, wondering why you're not seeing those results, like consider the fact that you may be stressing the hell out of yourself as well, and that's a contributing factor too. And then weighing yourself, stressing you out even more that you just can't see all the other ways you're progressing, you know, and looking at exercise for more reasons than just fat loss too, and trying to, you know, realign with other positive reasons for exercising. Yeah. I think people don't realize that if you think about the total amount of daily calories that you burn on a daily basis, only 5% of that is through exercise. I don't think people realize how little you actually burn through exercise, but my, I'm my heart rate monitors. I burned like 1000 calories. I'm like, yeah, you didn't. Throw that out the window. And that, that's it. Like if, if you are pushing yourself to go train five, six days a week, you know, really going hard at it, but because you're so wrecked from that, your day-to-day movement, your niche in general is reducing significantly because you're so burnt out. You're sore. You're trying to make these sessions more than you you do, or like you know, not giving yourself optimal time to recover. And you're yeah, your movement in general is reducing because of this. Maybe you're not sleeping as well, maybe you're more stressed, and that's impacting your sleep. Then you could end up chasing your tail a little bit, trying to do too much, maybe you know, creating the opposite result that you want. Yeah, you have to look at what can you actually control, and we've no control over what we actually weigh so you're probably better looking at what you can control which is your actions your sleep your stress management the food that you're consuming on a daily basis and that side of stuff so looking at that a little bit different so can the scales gain make you gain or can the exercise make make weight go up on the scales yes but it's not going to be fat gain first of all um but it, it it can gain a little bit more weight it's just water weight it's just glycogen um, but it's only temporary. It's not going to be there forever. And you have to look at it from a point of view of, well, if you enjoy exercise and that's your trigger, remove the scales. A gun cannot go off without a trigger being pulled. So get off the scales. The next question is, this could be a rant and a half from the two of us. So if anyone wants a proper rant, go to the episode that I did with Brian Keane on his podcast. And Brian asked me about Slimming Clubs. And 
So the question is where to start when moving away from slimming clubs? And I'm, this is a fantastic question because I think a lot of people are going to be like, but they've told me so much. I'm like, yeah, but at one stage you believe Santa was real. Yeah, the, the, you know, everything gets something right. You know, getting a couple of points right doesn't mean the whole process is positive, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I've, I've got a few notes here and stuff, but I'll, I'm going to let you kind of lead it up because you said you went to a meeting. I've never been to a meeting. I've got three meetings within kind of like a five kilometers from my house. Yeah, and I reckon, I, like, honestly, I genuinely completely forgot that. I must have blocked it out of my mind or something. <laughs> All the self-work. So trauma. But it kind of makes me kind of like reflecting now that I would have gone to that when I was overweight, when I was younger. It's kind of like, oh, that would not have supported where I was heading like in my relationship with my body and food, you know? And back then, though, it was the norm. Like, it was, there, was, there wasn't. It is the norm, though. Like, I've spoke, I remember doing classes and stuff in the gym and I remember one particular question and she's like oh I'm doing I'm doing uh, slim clubs and I've lost like six down and I put like four down back up and I'm kind of like it's not working for you like change the process if you're put if you're losing uh, like a lot of weight quite quickly and then you're putting it back on that's not the, the thing for you it's like yes but you're still negative two down or whatever it may be but you have to change the outcome the process is still wrong like you have to alter the process. It could be too could have been too fast for you. You may not have the foundations correct. And if you feel better with that two stone down than you did with then with the six down, all credit to you. And that could be the balance for you. And if you're comfortable at that weight, do not let me tell you that I anything else, because no one can take that away from you. But if you're happier uh, when you're feeling a little bit leaner or whatever it may be, when it's kind of like you have to look at the process there um like how how did you find it i just remember being really intimidated and the stepping i like i i remember being like yeah really scared of stepping up on the scale and overthinking it massively i do remember it it did give me kind of an a bit of an over awareness with the weight i should be you know the focus of constantly losing weight losing weight i think now I'm kind of thinking back on it. I remember having numbers in my head from a young age of the way I should be. And I do wonder now if it was from that, you know, more so. Um, God, I was so young at the time. I wouldn't have known what to expect. And I wouldn't have anywhere near the education or awareness I would have now to even notice that there's anything wrong with it. I thought that these people were professionals and they were there to help me and this is how you lose weight and like this is what you do you weigh yourself you need to lose weight every week and make the changes that they're saying and I know it wasn't something that I did a lot I think I might have gone two or three times and then even like we didn't go again so thankfully um my mom probably recognized that this was not good for either of us and had the smarts to to stop it even though everyone was advising that we should go to it but like in relation to kind of breaking up with swimming clubs or anything similar to it. I think the first thing I would probably do is try out the weighing scales first and foremost and break up with that for a little while and look toward other metrics of progress as you try to move forward more positively. If you're really scared, you're scared of losing the control, I think that it gives you. Uh, if you've used a method of any kind, like tracking, using like Slimming World, Weight Watchers, any of these methods that has helped you achieve a result that you were drive, driven to achieve. You wanted to achieve weight loss. These helped you do that, regardless if you have regained the weight or anything like that. This method got you where you wanted to go. So in your head, you're like, this method obviously works to get me there. The problem is I can stay there. Is that on me? And the answer is no, it's on the method. You know, the method isn't right for you. So being able to move forward positively is to recognize that that method doesn't work for you. If you're regaining the weight, then it's not something you can do consistently. It's not supporting optimal physical or mental health. And your expectations for fat loss are now become quite unrealistic. You believe you should be able to do it quickly when that is not the case. 
because you're physically capable of losing weight quickly does not mean it's the best method for you, does not mean it's optimal for health, mental or physical. And I think there's going to be a lot of work required and acceptance in the fact that change is scary. Um, you know, letting go of that method will be scary. You may need support, may need another method to, to work with for a period, but try to choose a method that gives you that little bit of feeling of control over what's happening. Even, you know, tracking has, you know, bad rep sometimes, but it can be a very positive tool too. Stepping into tracking and gaining an understanding of energy balance and nourishment and not demonizing any food, you know, having that unconditional permission to include a variety of foods, but still focusing more on nourishing foods first, maybe, maybe supportive. And that's something that initially you can do and long-term hopefully move away from that as well. And I know that can be daunting for people to think they're swapping one method for another, but that may be positive. For some people, that could be a positive way, doing that in a supportive environment, doing that with a coach who can guide you and support you properly through it may help you because you won't feel like you're completely letting go and just trusting yourself after no education or no positive information to help you sustain your fat loss that may be terrifying so stepping into another method that will help to teach you more about portion control energy balance tools that will in the long term support more sustainable fat loss could be great for you working i think a lot on even if you're not going to be tracking working more on portion control focusing more on food quality you know meal structure trying to but make the majority of your diet around whole foods. That may be something positive, working on more mindful practice, you know, really trying to tune more into your hunger and fullness. And these things take time. And I think there's going to be a lot of managing expectations and um, looking at other metrics of progress, as I've said before, that are beyond weight, focusing more on movement, on celebrations of things that are going to be positive for your body, moving in ways you love, being more active, just kind of trying to steadily break away from everything you've pretty much learned in slimming clubs and just rebuilding. And I know that's going to be scary and at first because letting go and, you know, facing up to the fact that you may gain some weight initially, you may lose weight. It really depends on, you know, how you move forward. But in the long term, stepping away from slimming clubs and looking toward other methods that will support you, seeking support if it is really that daunting for you, will be a positive choice for long-term sustainable sustainable weight loss, fat loss, in, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think it's important to say, like, there is, like, there's a massive community element of, like, slimming clubs and stuff, and that like, there, are, there, are, there are positives to it. So if, if people are finding that it's, it's useful, say, I'm their way of catching up with people that they haven't seen and stuff. But if you're going to those meetings and then you're talking to Susan and Mary at those meetings and they're down X amount of weight and you've actually gone up weight and they're making you feel minuscule or if you're not feeling amazing about yourself, how you're seeing other people, or if you're getting, you step on scales and you're up and you know you've done everything possible, you know you've been, you, you adhered, you're kind of like, and then you're getting shamed for going up on the scales. And it's like, it's because it's because exercise has done this for you. Or have you realized that it could be your time of the month and you've you're, it's normal to go up on the weight around the time of the month? And a lot of people don't forget. That. I remember watching one of the, the, the big shows on RT on like on the, the weight loss show. I'm not going to say what it is. Uh, I think people know what I'm talking about. And one on, on one of the shows in particular, two women stood stood on the scales at the same time, or like um, one after the other, and both had gone up. And one of the judges did wasn't aware, kind of like was giving out to them. And then the next judge beside them was kind of like, no, this is because they're on their, their cycle. And it's kind of like we need to be aware that the people who are at those slimming clubs may not be in the most educated position about health and fitness themselves. So they may not be aware of these fluctuations that may happen around the time of the month or that carbohydrates can do this or whatever it may be. So it's nothing against those people. It's the education system that's provided because it is a financial incentive to be a 
person that it kind of facilitates those meetings. That's their number one. If they're seen to go and proactively educate themselves, they're actually discouraged to do that. So that's something to be aware of. And I have that on good authority from someone who was very successful in those cinema clubs that has been on this podcast. Um, so we have to look at it from myself. Like the word sins that they educate you isn't even spelled right. They made it up. So there's no such thing as a sin. Food cannot be good or bad. It's not going to kidnap your family. So I would probably look at like, what does your relationship with food look like? Are you afraid of carbs? If carbs are bad for you, which they're not, then how do athletes function on a daily basis? Those rugby players, those footballers, those guy players that we kind of look and worship on a on a weekend or on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night, whenever it is, they're having carbohydrates to fuel themselves before they do activity. Yet we're expecting to be able to function with no carbohydrates. That doesn't make any sense. So they're at their peak performance and having carbohydrates. But we're not giving ourselves carbohydrates and we're expecting to function to our optimal performance. Just listen to that. Carbohydrates are not a sin. Sin is a made up word. It's not even spelled right. You cannot, they, they can't even say what's it. You have a certain amount of sins to spend. Is that what it is? I think so, yeah. A certain amount of sins you can spend. And that's all unlimited carbohydrates. You mash a banana and it's sinful, but a banana's not. <laughs> it makes no fucking sense. <laughs> So that means your baby is having a mashed up banana. It's, it's a sinful baby. Yeah. So banana, yeah, it's a bad baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that makes no sense. So you're, but you're, if you, by giving your child a, a mashed up banana, you're making your child bad. Think about it that way. Look how ridiculous a statement that is. But yeah, you're applying it to yourself. Carbs are your friend. Girls, carbs are a girl's best friend. They need. They need, it says diamonds, but carbs and chocolate, I think, are the carbs are a girl's best friend. You need to, like, I think you need to go and look at, are you getting shamed for stepping on the scales? You need to look at, are you feeling food guilt? Because food guilt isn't the feeling that you're feeling. It's, you need to look at where was that behavior learned? Is that behavior learned? Were you okay before you went into the slim clubs with the food? And if you were, amazing. But I would say majority of people that are going into slimming clubs were not okay with food beforehand because potentially the people that they've had around them were like, oh, this is a treat press. This You're getting punished. You're, getting, you're not having any ice cream. You're not having anything at a certain time, whatever maybe. And that's the way you've been taught that you can only have certain things on a certain occasion. And that's nothing to do with your, that's no dig at anyone being a parent. That's the way they parent. That's just absolutely no big at all. I was fortunate enough. My parents were like, have whichever you want um and just in moderation that's the way they looked at it but if you're looking from a point of view is that you can't have certain foods at a certain time because of these stupid rules that they've made up you have to look at it from a point of view the guilt the guilt is a made up thing it's kind of like you've learned that from somewhere that you can't have those foods and you have to look and say well has that approach worked for you in the x amount of time that you've been in that environment and if the answer is no you have to look and say well Let's change the actual behavior. Let's change the outcome and say, like, let's have the chocolate every day. We are probably having it every day anyway, but you're just pressing the fuck up button. Moderation is the key to everything. Learn that guilt has no place. Aim for regular meals. Carbs are your friend. Um, looking at manage, removing the scales. I'd probably recommend to get some sort of coaching before but if your coach that you're talking to on your welcome call or whatever maybe if they're doing a welcome call is saying that you can't have certain foods that's the same thing just wraps differently if you have something that's taking out a food group yes there are people who do photo shoots and weight um bodybuilding shows and stuff and they take out food groups and stuff like that that's up to them but the vast majority of people who listen to this podcast are not bodybuilders or doing photo shoots they are people who are potentially struggling with their food, struggling with their emotion regulation and stuff like that. So if you are struggling with that side of things, do reach out. And it's, it's the biggest question that comes in. is like, I literally had a message from one of the girls and I showed you this message. Remember the DM that I showed you like last week I was? She used the food and mood journal. She comes from a slim club background, had, had a, an amazing kid during lockdown, used the mood and food journal herself over the last kind of four weeks. And she was like, I've realized so many triggers that I have. I've realized that if I just do this X, Y, and Z, slight, slight change, 
I can go on my own. I can have chocolate every day. I can have carbs every day. And it's kind of like, this is free. This is all like, the, like it, it's, it, it's changed her perspective completely. And I know she's going to listen to this episode. Um, but you have to understand that like removing things haven't worked. The only thing that you should probably remove is the trigger, which is normally probably the scales. No one can make you feel inadequate unless you allow it. So if you're stepping on scales and you're getting tutted when you're up on the scales, ask yourself, have you done everything that you've possible? Have you actually been adhering to what you said you're doing? Or did you go to your meeting at 5 p.m. and suck on grapes to go to that meeting so some of that the scales will go down? Because that's 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 also happening. And that's the horrible bit. Like they have, they have meetings in the morning, they have meetings in the evening. Yeah, they do. Like I remember going in the evening. So weigh-ins would have been in the evening. Yeah, um, you're, you're going to be heavier. Like. Yeah, of eating, everything like that, whatever I was doing in school at the time, I think it was in secondary school, early in it. Yeah, like evening time. I, it, it really is. It's something to like really reflect on with yourself and being compassionate to ask yourself if you're feeling like shit after like an increase at a weigh-in is, you know, think about what you would say to a friend who felt the same. Like, would you look at that friend differently if they told you they gained a pound? Would, do you think they look physically different? Would you judge them? Would you criticize them? Do you think if you go home, any of your family or people who love you are going to know or think like, oh God, they gained a pound? No, but they are going to care about how you feel, how stressed you are, how how you're living, how good you feel about yourself. These things are going to matter more. Like if, if you're treating yourself well, if you're doing more healthy behaviors, these things will matter. But not one of those people would judge you for that and you would not judge them. So really work on not judging yourself so much. Like I used to, that's something I said to a client this week, we're, who I have worked through from um, tracking, always been a tool that they were very, very used to using and got great results with, but had had some um, weight gain through some stress that had happened in her life and they went back to tracking again. And then came to me, so we worked on, you know, tracking for a period to achieve results, but then we've spent a long time now breaking away from tracking, working a lot on compassion and all these things and the realisation that, she was able to do this without like significant change in weight with actual improvements in body composition. Her stress levels are down. She's applying self-care more. She's happier. She's feeling so much better in herself. But this, this took a bit of time. And I used the line with her this week of kind of like, it's amazing, isn't it? When you see how compassion builds consistency and confidence but it's a very hard sell at the start for people when they're so used to methods like like being very much attached to my fitness pal or using working with like yoga gyms or slim worlds or anything like that to step away and start being more compassionate with themselves and managing expectations to see a light where you know by being kinder to themselves by being more compassionate will end up yielding more consistency and build confidence in the long term but it really really does it just may take a little longer to get where you think you want to go you may end up finding out you didn't actually need to need to or want to go there anyway and you'll discover so many other things of value for yourself on the journey yeah and i think it is important to kind of like jane i always speak about compassion an awful lot with our clients and some some buy into it some don't and it's kind of depends where the person's at but i notice the difference with the clients that are potentially making a little bit more inroads are the ones that are speaking to themselves. And I say, I remember I got a message to last week or this, uh, this week. Um, and they're kind of, it was one of the, the, the newer clients. They're kind of sending over the progress pictures. It's like, I, they said something negative about their, how they looked in the photos. And it's kind of like, if your kids who were jumping around when we were doing the phone call anyway, because of working from home, heard you have what you said about yourself there would you be happy how they had said it and the answer was no i was like well why is it any different for you couldn't answer it's kind of like well you've had two amazing kids you've got twins so you why not celebrate what your body's been able to do which is hold and give birth to two amazing kids and you're in the position now where you want to move on to the next chapter and celebrate your body 
celebrate your body and give yourself credit for what you've achieved already in that kind of nine months and they're probably three now or two or three now so it's been a long chapter to get to that point the next chapter for you is to give yourself that little bit more you time in there as the kids are a little bit older but the criticism and the critique of yourself and how you look and how you feel and the words that you're using to yourself are not going to be conducive to where you want to go because if you're changing your body out of hate it's not going to change anything because it's still the same body or still the same mind driving the body. The body may look different, but if the six inches between your two ears is still in control, it's going to go back to where it was quite quickly. And a lot of people forget that is to think, well, if I look leaner, or if I get a six pack, if I get big glutes or massive arms, it's going to solve all my world's problems. It's still the little minion in your brain controlling and that's the bit that needs to be looked at nothing can really change for anyone unless the six inches between your two ears the compassion the authenticity the way you talk to yourself changes and that's the bit that people do not want to do and there's other elements of this trauma and stuff like that that has to be done with the psychologist has to be done with a, a therapist and stuff but there are bits that people can do and i would highly recommend people to go out and get the book self-compassion by Kristen neff i would highly encourage you to get on audiobook and she's talks about her own experience of like she has an autistic child i think it is and she really struggled with that she was like blaming herself blame herself but then she realized as soon as she took the foot off the gas and the blame and put the, the foot the foot and accelerator on kind of like talking to herself nicer it's kind of like well he's good at certain things so let's hone in and make those and celebrate those and give them push them that direction because there's people out there who have have ADHD who are autistic who have done extremely well for themselves it doesn't mean it's just it's a label that's being put on people it doesn't mean it's a death sentence so it's something to kind of think about I don't know why I've gone off on a massive rant as always like the thing I said about before about like when um someone I know quite well got diagnosed with autism and I was just like, it's like a superpower. And I was like, when I look at it, it's like, it's like being an X-Man. You know, you've got this thing that people might not understand entirely, but it allows you to do all of these amazing things. You're like creative, you're this, that, and the other. I was just like, it doesn't have to be limiting unless you put limitations on yourself. It's like the, it's like the, um, it's like the woman's menstrual cycle. It's a superpower. Yeah, it is. Not everyone gets it. Exactly. And it is, it's something that's the way to look at it and start. I think that something I've noticed when sometimes when you start talking more about compassion and things like that, like people assume that suddenly or you're going to stop them from focusing on fat loss or that, you know, you can't be driven. And like, I'm all for being driven, setting goals. You know, fat loss is absolutely fine. I've worked with people for fat loss, I've worked with people on body composition changes, you know, all of these things. It's like a muscle gain, all of it. Like, that doesn't mean that they're separate from that. It is part of that and doing a better job of it. When you have, when you're more compassionate and you work on that side of things and doing things from a more positive space, you will enjoy the process more and it becomes more sustainable and you're doing it out of love for yourself. And it also fosters a much more flexible mindset so that when things don't go to plan, you navigate it much better. You don't freak out as much. You don't get as stressed. You can be a little kinder to yourself. You recognize that, you know, it's not black and white. It's not all or nothing that you can still move forward positively. It gives you the capacity to do that more. You're going to be so much less inclined to hit the feckle button, which is probably what's contributing to things being so difficult. But when you are more compassionate, it just gives you that more flexible mindset, which will yield more sustainable change and make any and every process more sustainable and achievable. Be sounder to yourself. And I notice people would see massive changes. And like, as you said, like just being, because you're being sounder to yourself doesn't mean you can't lose weight. It's like, no, you're being sounder to yourself because you're not beating yourself up by having that little bit more chocolate or crisp or whatever it may be the night before, because you had a little bit more alcohol at the weekend. It's the compassion saying, no, hang on. I actually wanted that. I enjoyed it. I was being present with mates or whatever it may be. It doesn't make you less of a human for having those. It's appreciating the times you had. And this is what leads into the next kind of question is, and this question, I'm kind of like in two minds. I'm kind of, people are not going to like the answer and some people will like the answer and it's like anything. Um, so like 
this episode's going to be out on the last week of November and we're kind of coming into kind of Christmas season and silly season. So one of the big questions that's kind of coming in is, should you start dieting in December? Because I know an awful lot of people do do it. That like they've kind of like, I've got 25 days to get into some sort of shape before Christmas. So I'm going to let Jane take this away. No. <laughs> is that enough? It's like one of Dallas's TED Talks. No, done. Drop the mic. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I wouldn't advise it. Now, obviously, if you have reasons to do it, if you've got something coming up, like if someone who's like an athletic event or like, you know, you have a photo shoot that you're doing, obviously do you. But my advice would be to not start trying to diet your way into the festive period. If you are focusing on fat loss right now, absolutely continue your journey but I will always suggest as you move into December focus more on a mindful Christmas and a mindful approach and savoring and enjoying it for all parameters of its awesomeness you know if you head into the festive period automatically with the with the with the idea in your head is like I am going to lose the absolute run of myself over Christmas I am going to be going to more events I am going to eat all around me so I need to diet like a crazy person right now to buffer that you are setting yourself up to lose the absolute run of yourself and then you're starving yourself before that so you're absolutely exacerbating restriction and the feelings of restriction and deprivation before you head into the festive period where all of those foods are going to be around you these indulgent foods these foods that might trigger you more to want to overeat you're going into that hungry and deprived you know that's like letting a kid into a candy store who's never had a sweet in his life and they try it and like send them in hungry you're just setting yourself up to potentially lose the run of yourself unnecessarily and potentially eat at events and occasions more than you want to or need to savor and enjoy so i think a better approach is to nourish your way up until Christmas to look at it as, you know, there might be certain occasions that I'm going to overeat, but I can have some of everything I want. Probably won't have all of it all the time, every time, you know, pick and choose your events, recognize that it's okay to overeat. It's natural. It's normal. It's enjoyable at times. Overeating on occasion, overeating for comfort, on occasion is not a bad thing it is human and natural food is awesome it's nice to be enjoyed you know at christmas that may happen like i got asked that question about recently in my story about um if you are honoring your hunger and fullness what about overeating at christmas and i was just like you can even work on honoring your hunger and fullness and overeat on occasion because sometimes you're not eating purely to honor your hunger and fullness or for nourishment sometimes you're eating for pleasure and pleasure matters and Christmas and times like this are a connection about culture about family about friends but all of these things that you know food can be a part of food can enhance and by going into that in a restrictive mindset all you're going to think about is food and the fact that you're overeating the fact that you haven't had these foods for a long time the fact that in January you won't get to have these foods again so you need to stockpile you know you're putting that mindset on yourself while if you come at the season ready to savor and enjoy it and accept of what it is look at it as like a period of maintaining you know be a bit more mindful over the Christmas season but put yourself in a position where that will be easier where you recognize that you want to savor and enjoy the season for all that it is and accept that there will be periods of overeating you might drink a little more on certain occasions but it's not going to be every single day particularly not if you head into the season nourishing being more mindful not feeling hungry not dieting and accepting that for that period it's a bit of a pause but it's not a pause in the sense of losing the absolute money yourself it's a moment where you're just going to savor more. You're going to just let go of certain targets and embrace the season for what it is. And I think that a better approach is going into that at a level playing field instead of coming out of restricted. 
Yeah, and I think it is important to say it depends on where the person's at in their journey. Like if you're someone who is further along their journey and kind of like you're um kind of like you're quite overweight or whatever it may be and you're only making momentum now but you're at it you're at a stage where like you're leaving the foods in that you enjoy you're having chocolate every day you're having the foods you enjoy every day you're getting some sort of momentum going now well then i would continue what you're doing but at some stage during the process probably the week before christmas you're probably gonna have to say now link in with your coach or whoever you're talking to or dm a coach that you value opinion on and kind of say right what should i do feel free to dm us if you want but what approach we'll probably be taking for a lot of our clients is the week before and the week after so potentially like 10 days two weeks is kind of saying to yourself like let's take the foot off the gas you have people have to realize that we haven't had a christmas in two years i wouldn't have counted last like my brother wasn't here for christmas last year my mates went home from like America and Australia and New Zealand and stuff from last year. So this is the first proper Christmas that many people have had for a very, very long time. And I think it's about focusing on like making the memories. And I think it's important in saying that overeating isn't also necessarily a bad thing. Um, like if you're, because people think overeating is a bad thing and a negative thing and that like it's only negative if you're feeling bad afterwards. But if you're saying to yourself, right, I'm going to have a, have that second or third Christmas dinner or I'm going to have that little bit more rose, have a few more drinks and enjoy it. I know some people that we work with will be recommended, right, just kind of take a break from maybe the 23rd up until the 27th, 28th and go again uh, and kind of go enjoy those three, four or five days off, enjoy whatever you want to do and then get back on to 27, 25 or 28, 29, whatever it may be. And then you've got New Year's yeah. again. So it's kind of like, if you're completely taking a break from your diet, it's probably the wrong approach because you shouldn't need like diet breaks are there. There's different arguments for those. Like if you're obviously people will need diet breaks and stuff, but you have to look at it from a point of view of if you're in a restrictive mentality going into it with feast or famine mode, and you're like, well, if I have 1200 calories Monday to Thursday, go ahead and absolutely piss Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, that's not you shouldn't be dieting in December. A lot of people will do that. Like you're going out for 12 pubs at Christmas or whatever it may be, or however that's going to work. I haven't figured that out how that's going to work now. But you have to look at a point of view. If you're starving yourself during the week so you can go out and overindulge and drink yourself to obliteration on the week, then you're not in a position to diet right now in December. If you're in a position to diet, December will look more like, well, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing. I have my regular meals in, having my chocolate, having my carbs every single day having a few more drinks in the weekend and folks are saying, well, why don't I reword this and say to myself, right, weight loss might not be my journey right now, but what I can do is I can use this extra fuel to push my strength up and enjoy my sessions that a little bit more and focus the numbers that you'd focus on the scales normally and focus it on to the numbers they are lifting in the gym. And I'd be, I would say you'd be pleasantly surprised with the numbers that you'd be lifting. And I think a lot of people forget about that. Like, if you're someone who struggles with the scales, don't weigh yourself around Christmas. Like, like your Christmas present to yourself right now should be a can of petrol and a load of matches and burn the fucking scales. That should be your present to yourself right now. You shouldn't be on stepping on scales right now if if you're in that position where you're in a restrictive headspace. You are afraid of stepping on the scales. You are afraid of gravity if you're afraid to step on the scales. And I think a lot of people are kind of outsourcing the control of like, well, you can control your actions and saying, I have my regular meals Monday to Friday, have a few more drinks in the weekend. Just get back to what you have been doing. Like you don't need to completely down tools if you don't want to. If you want to down tools and kind of enjoy those kind of two weeks, you still have 50 other weeks or 51 or 49 other weeks in the year to get to your goal. But these three weeks, two weeks of Christmas or whatever it may be, are a time to actually be present with family you probably haven't seen in ages, catch up with mates, enjoy a few more pints, enjoy a few more ice, uh, mince pies and stuff or whatever your thing is. And if you're in a restrictive headspace, do not go into diet mode in the 1st of December. It will not serve you. You have to look back at 
every other time that you've potentially done it has it worked for you and if the answer is no which i would probably say in 99 percent of cases it is that hasn't worked for you well you need to change the outcome and say right let me just if i'm counting calories potentially give myself that little bit more calorie so normally what people would do is 1200 calories monday to thursday why not try to aim for say 16 1700 calories around that and then get, have a little bit more calories in the weekend if you need it but if you're drinking and stuff just win the next meal and win the next meal doesn't starve yourself if you're going out for pints don't starve yourself the day of or starve yourself the day after that's not what you want to do you're going to be completely pissed off your iraq it'll be a cheap date but you're going to be pissed off your head and you are not going to remember the night you won't feel amazing the next day and you're better off doing what you could coming up to getting your regular meals in like you have been and press reset the next day where possible if you have a takeaway so be it no one dies but you have to look at it like if you're going on a restrictive mindset into december don't diet it's not all or nothing you know that's the hardest part for people and going into the festive period it's like it's not like diet and then go crazy it's like you can still be mindful you can still move you can still walk you know you can still you can manage stress you can catch up on sleep if you've got time off these things all contribute positively to our well-being and weight maintenance fat loss you know you can look at these things and just have other wins i said like connection with family all of these things there's other wins they're pushing it in the gym lifting heavier weights appreciating and embracing those things you know and you don't have to go all or nothing on any, every single night out either you can still be mindful there is nothing wrong with that of like picking the occasions where you may have a little bit more you know you can rotate your drinks and have some more water some nights you know feel better the next day you know enjoy christmas day leave that as a day where you just kind of savor and enjoy and just take it as it is of you know just chilling with family i said having more roses having your dinner not really thinking about it you don't want to overthink any aspect of it but that also includes still considering health still considering nourishment most of the time you just might have a few more occasions in december where you have a few more drinks where you overeat a little bit more and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that no i think if you if you want to train over christmas train over christmas i know like generally the day after i'll probably go in for a little bit or whatever it may be but it's also going in with the mind space of I'm not going into the gym the day after Christmas in order to undo what I've eaten the day before. That's a vicious mentality. It's not going to serve you. You cannot undo what you already do. You're trying to undo the past. You cannot undo the past. You are literally trying to do something that you cannot do and that you're better off saying to yourself, right, I'm just going to go and train and enjoy this extra fuel that I have in my, in my body right now and see how how I can actually push my sessions if I want. You don't have to go to the gym if you don't want to go for a walk. I know a lot of people go just go for like a, a hike or something like that on, on Stephen's Day uh, and then have their, their, their second dinner. I think you, like the word diet, which I think a lot of people don't realize means way of life. It should be something that you can do on a daily basis that will get you to an achievable goal, whatever your goal is. Nowhere in that sentence does it say restrict, but yet the restriction word comes in because people believe because the media, because limited clubs, because certain things have been taught to us along the way for whatever reason that you have to restrict in order to lose weight. No, you do not. And the nearly a thousand people that we've coached at TMSWF at this stage now, none of them have ever restricted. The only people that have restricted is on probably on their own bat. But once they've restricted and they're kind of like, oops, I've done it again. It's kind of like, well, now can we try our approach and see how that goes? And sometimes we'll let clients make the mistakes themselves so that we can say, right, this approach hasn't worked. So now let's rein it back in. The other thing that could happen is if someone's stepping on the scales after Christmas, it's kind of like, oh, I've only gone up like a pound. I've actually lost weight over Christmas. It's kind of like damage limitation. It's kind of like, well, the scales has only gone up two pounds after everything I've eaten. So then let's continue to do this. It's kind of like, no, that's also not the healthy mentality to do. I would strongly encourage people to stay off the scales over Christmas. I probably wouldn't step on the scales for the majority of January. 
do not go into January 1st with the same mentality and trying to undo Christmas. You're trying to undo happy memories that you had with your friends and family. Darken the memories. That's the big one for me. It's like, think about 10 years from now, or if you look 10 years back at Christmas's past, you know, is what you weighed or overeating part of the happy memories? No, don't create those negative memories for yourself. And that like overrule the positive ones of getting connected with family and friends and to eat amazing food, delicious food, savor it, you know? Yeah, I think if if someone was to look back right now, you said the 10 years thing. If you were to look back 10 years to the day, do you remember what you weigh? And the answer is no. So why are you concentrating on what you're weighing today? It's the least interesting thing about you right now. Food is there in abundance at Christmas. It's a week or two period, depending on how when, when people are working and stuff like that. We haven't had a Christmas and proper Christmas in two years enjoy the time if you are potentially on a diet and you're making momentum probably go up until maybe the 20th or 21st and see how you go or whatever the weekend is beforehand and see how you go and just focus on getting your regular meals and where possible keep doing your exercise and keep keep linking in or whatever it may be but if you're and then kind of like 28 29 generally i'll probably press reset or else do it on the on the 31st the first but if you're hungover to fuck in the first, it's the last thing you want to do and just don't go back into restrictive mode. No, just focus on re- returning to structure, movement, nourishment. Health is the first focus if you're resetting. Just like, can I get my fiber up? Can I get my protein in? Am I going to move a little more? Hydrate. All of those things are going to make you feel better, make you like go to the bathroom better. All of these things, get your body feeling better again and more positive and working, functioning better. Don't let, the, don't let the scales control you. You control what you do. That's the way I would look at it. It's like, if you want to go for a walk, go for a walk. If you want to sit in the couch and watch Gross and Gromit, sit in the couch, watch Gross and Gromit. It's your Christmas. But just own whatever you want to do. If you're in a restrictive mode or restrictive mood, don't diet at Christmas or December. It will not serve you. Um, Like, as Jane has said, some of our clients will be taking breaks over kind of the Christmas. Some of them will be continuing. It depends when they're at, but every single one of them won't be dieting for like three, four days, seven days, eight days, whatever it may be around Christmas, depending on the client and where they're at their journey. Um, and if you gain a little bit of weight, it's probably more than likely a little bit of water weight and it could be a pound of fat or whatever, maybe, but at the same time, it doesn't make you less of, a, less of any person. How many other people are in the same position? That's the way I would look at it. Like we're probably all going to put on a little bit of weight and I'm kind of like, I'm going to own it. I'm going to enjoy it so I think there's lots in this of like how to lose weight if you don't like exercise does exercise gain does exercise make you gain weight where you move away from slimming clubs the scales thing kind of came in there and how to should you kind of die around December and stuff like that is there anything else you want to add in Jane or anything no I think I think we covered a lot of some good ground there Um, and if anyone's looking for a stock and fitter buy the book plug shameless plug buy the book everyone <laughs> Oh, yeah. If you haven't bought the book, I will hunt you down. Um, I will. I'll get Dallas after you. I'll get. I'll get a car of hungry Dallas after you. Because <laughs> nobody wants to deal with that shit. Um, so, guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, if there's anything else you want to do, I'll probably do one more Q and A before the end of the year is out. So, if there's anything you want us to cover, if you feel that there's anything you want advice on about Christmas, we will need context. So, don't just say, "How do you manage Christmas?" Please listen to the episode again to give us talk context. If you're sending someone a DM, give context. Give an example where you're at. Don't just say, "How many calories should I eat?" I will. That's not helpful. Um, so guys if you enjoyed the episode please do tag us up on your story if you want to review the episode or if you the podcast up on itunes please do i hope you guys enjoyed the episode and jane thank you so much